Is standard treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder adequate? Can we do better? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is nationally known expert, Dr. Jeffrey Berlant. Dr. Berlant is double-boarded in internal medicine and psychiatry. He has been very active in discovering new treatments for post-traumatic stress disorder. Welcome. Thank you. Dr. Berlant, the traditional treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, is psychotherapy plus SSRIs. Is this enough? Psychotherapy has been shown to be very effective for many patients, particularly those who are motivated to engage in that treatment modality. The problem is there are many patients who cannot contemplate or are willing to engage in the kind of increase in arousal and discomfort and distress that can be involved in engaging in therapy, which is often of an exposure type, where one goes back and relives the events that were traumatic. The hope there is to reprocess it in a more helpful way. So there are patients who would never even consider that kind of treatment who need help, and we have some patients who are unable because of limited intellectual capacity to engage in it. For instance, patients who may have psychotic disorders or have mental retardation, psychotherapy may simply not be a practical option. For these patients, it's extremely important that we develop medications that can be helpful. I would think, too, I know especially in VA kinds of settings that often these patients are herded into group therapy, which I would think would be especially difficult for some of these folks. It can be both helpful and it can be very, very difficult. The problem that can arrive is if a patient begins to return to reliving these experiences, they may be so distressed and the distress may continue after they leave a session therapy encounter of some sort that they simply will not come back and will not continue in treatment. A good therapist with a highly motivated, educated, verbal patient may do very well in psychotherapy, but there are many people who do not fit that model. So clearly pharmacotherapy is necessary. Um, Are the SSRIs enough? The SSRIs have been overall disappointing, although there are good double-blind controlled studies that have been done comparing a number of SSRIs and other agents for treatment of PTSD. These tend to work best in what's been called simple PTSD, where you don't have the complication of the other frequently incurred comorbid conditions such as substance abuse, mood disorders, other anxiety disorders, and characterological problems that occur. You know, one of the problems we have in substance abuse is this is one of the instances where people will not infrequently use substances to hold down their PTSD symptoms. Alcohol, marijuana, and opiates are all fairly good for treating re-experiencing symptoms. However, they create their own problem. And what about side effects of SSRIs? I think, you know, obviously these are incredibly commonly used by all sorts of physicians, not just psychiatrists. And I think we really don't talk enough about the problems with SSRIs. So what do you see? Well, there are two major classes of problems. One are the side effect issues with SSRIs, and the other one is the problematic use of antidepressants in patients who have comorbid bipolar disorder. When it comes to side effects, it is very common for patients with SSRIs to, in time, be concerned with weight gain, sexual side effects, cognitive side effects. They also uh, have the problem of a poop-out phenomenon where, over months, the medication ceases to be helpful, and at that point, a replacement has to be found. 
Um, let's dissect these a bit. Uh, tell me more about the weight gain that you see with SSRIs. Typically, SSRIs do not produce much weight gain in the first six months to a year. The one exception on that may be Paxil, where some patients will quickly gain weight. But even agents that were being evaluated, for instance, Prozac was studied as a possible weight reduction agent. However, with longer-term studies, it was found even with Prozac, by the end of a year, patients returned to baseline weight, and thereafter they might, in fact, exceed the original weight. So long-term weight gain, not short-term. That's right. It's a long-term weight gain problem with a number of these patients. And how about sexual dysfunction? How common is that really with SSRIs? It's a lot higher than it was initially thought. The methodology for detecting sexual side effects was inadequate originally, relied on the use of spontaneously mentioning treatment emergent side effects. And many people were too inhibited about discussing their sexuality to discuss the sexual side effects, or they thought it was something with them and not the medication. Since that time, attempts have been used to proactively inquire into the presence of sexual side effects. And the level with SSRIs, not infrequently, is in the 30 to 50 percent range where people have some component of sexual dysfunction. When a patient is depressed, they don't care about that particularly. But when they cease to be depressed and they want to regain a normal life, the absence of normal sexuality can be a significant interfering factor and can even lead to non-adherence with treatment. Now, how about do you see um, things such as cognitive impairment with SSRI treatment? Sometimes we see what we used to half-jokingly refer to the dumbing down of patients with SSRIs. This was a problem with loss of immediate memory, being less sharp, less quick. It Probably it, what happens is that the increase in serotonin leads to an inhibition of dopamine activity. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's involved in concentration, motivation, and mood regulation itself. So sometimes in the course of improving serotonin transmission, we have caused dysfunction in a different neurotransmitter system. Uh, Dr. Berlant, you mentioned dopamine activity being affected with SSRIs. Might not that also contribute to other problems? Well, dopamine is an important part of our circuitry for motivation and reward. So people may find that they become more apathetic, disinterested, flattened, and not enjoying life in the way that they used to. This is not infrequently an issue with SSRI therapy. So they're not necessarily sad or depressed. They're just blah? That's right. They're not normal. And we do want to bring patients back to a normal way of being. And last but certainly not least, we certainly see sleep problems with SSRIs. That's right. Probably the prototypical study was with fluoxetine or Prozac. In their sleep study, polysomnogram evidence showed a dramatic, if not frightening, fragmentation of sleep that occurred when patients have an SSRI introduced. Clinically, it also meant that we often had to treat with additional sedative hypnotic medications so the patients could remain asleep during the initial phase of treatment with an SSRI until adaptation occurred. But back to, to treating post-traumatic stress disorder, the only FDA-approved treatments for this disease are paroxetine or Paxil and sertraline or Zoloft. What else can we do? Well, and that's a problem. This is why I've been very interested in the use of Topamax, which I had serendipitously observed seemed to be helpful in a patient with post-traumatic stress disorder and subsequently have produced open-label information that has in controlled trials been shown to, in fact, be very effective. The 
use of Topamax has been good. It's been well studied in patients who have polar disorder, and we know it does not destabilize bipolar patients, as antidepressants can do. It also not only does not cause weight gain, it can be helpful for weight reduction. It also does not seem to cause sexual side effects in patients. So the side effect profile is clearly different than the SSRIs. Can you use them in combination? They can be used in combination. In fact, the best double-blind controlled study that was done was a well-executed study out of a medical school and research institute in Iran that has a good reputation where they found that Topamax is an add-on to other psychotropic medications in treatment-resistant PTSD patients was extremely effective. In fact, the clinical effect size in that study by the end of the 12th week could be calculated to be 1.6, which was much, much higher than uh, we see with the antidepressants, where the clinical effect size varies from 0.2 to 0.4 with sertraline Zoloft to about 0.5 to 0.8 with Paxil. There was one Prozac study in civilian women where there was a clinical effect size of 0.9, but this was one of the largest clinical effect sizes seen until the Topamax study. So that really is dramatic improvement. Why don't we see more Topamax being used to treat PTSD, especially considering that we have all these soldiers coming back from Iraq with PTSD? The need is unquestionably there. The nature of the system that we operate in, however, requires a private pharmaceutical company sponsor to educate physicians about a particular use of a medication, as well as going through the expensive and sometimes uh, daunting task of qualification trials to get an FDA indication so that that medication can be marketed. These decisions to develop and approve, get approval or an indication for a medication are primarily marketing decisions. And I in no way am holding the manufacturer of Topamax to task any more than any other pharmaceutical company. It's a system-wide problem. The system relies on there being a good return on profit and support to shareholders from investment. And if the internal marketing and economic assessment is that there is insufficient profit to be returned compared to other investments, a pharmaceutical company will not develop it. And unfortunately... Our nation lacks good alternative mechanisms for bringing medications that would otherwise have off-label uses into a position where they're well-studied or obtain an FDA indication. Currently, the practice of getting FDA indications usually hinges on the survival time left for patents. So if I can understand you correctly, you're saying that Topamax really isn't being developed to receive an indication for post-traumatic stress disorder? I cannot speak for the manufacturer, Ortha McNeil, but at this point, although there was a period of intense interest in a number of psychiatric applications, including PTSD, I am unaware of any further activity going on on that front. So are they paying you to talk about it? No, I do not have any consultancy, speaker bureau, grant relationship with Ortha McNeil. So you're doing this just because you think it helps your patients? I'm doing it because I think it helps my patients and because I think further research through some venue that I've yet to be able to uh, identify needs to further occur because if uh, additional trials and applications find that it remains as effective as the preliminary work suggests it is, there are millions of people who could benefit from it and that would be reward enough.
So the broader issue here is how can we scientifically and rigorously investigate medicines that are soon to be or already off patent and are generic? That's true. And like I said, it's a system-wide problem. It is very important that physicians be allowed the right to prescribe off-label. Sometimes uh, medical education and training begins to overemphasize the need to follow the PDR on-label recommendations for treating patients. But if that were done, our patients would suffer a great disservice. Well, and certainly in psychiatry, what is it, 80% of what we do is off-label, whether it's by diagnoses or dose or age or some other measure. We are the masters of (laughs) off-label prescription, and, and we have to be. Until approximately three years ago, we had no drug approved for the treatment of bipolar depression, and yet we had to treat that all the time. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Berland, for a very thought-provoking discussion. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions or, or great ideas, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.